W podcast. Today I'm joined by Will and Jono. How's it going, guys? Very good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Nice. And this is our second club overview. So today we'll be talking about Brisbane. Will, do you want to tell us a little bit about Brisbane? Absolutely. So Brisbane are one of the original clubs that were the starting teams in 2017. They had a very good start in their AFLW life where they made the grand finals in seasons one and two, but didn't manage to taste that ultimate success until mm. season five. So the premiers in 2021. So going into season six this year, there was a bit of pressure on as the reigning premiers. They managed to make the preliminary finals in 2022A, uh, but didn't manage to reach the grand final, losing to Melbourne in that prelim final at the MCG. Yeah, at the G. That was great to watch. First AFLW game at the G ever. And it's, uh, it's nice to see that the Lions, you know, they really have that synergy between the men and the women's team where neither seem to be able to win at the MCG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So how do we think Brisbane are going to go this year? So, yeah, I think there's every reason that Brisbane can once again contend. They've kept most of their list together pretty well uh, and they've always been a very strong club. So I can see them definitely pushing deep into the finals once again. Yeah, they seemed... Uh, I mean, lots of teams had players moving with the expansion clubs, but... I mean, there was really only a couple for the Lions, and I wouldn't say anyone that was... They managed to hold on to Emily Bates, um, the best and fairest winner from last year. I was very much hoping she was coming to the Hawks. That was the rumour coming into that period, but... Very, very strongly at the two. But yeah, I see see no reason why they can't make it to at least the prelim again and and maybe even the grand final. Yeah, given they've held their team together pretty well, so... And that makes them very fantasy relevant for us, which is, is handy. We've got lots of players. I suppose the question then is, are we expecting these to be players that we want in our starting sides or players that we're kind of upgrading to? Because they had a very good year last year. A lot of their players were putting out season or career bests. Yeah, there's a lot of elites in this side. Um, so it's kind of going to have to be pick and choose which ones we start with. Should we go through uh, line by line? Sounds good. Yeah, so let's start with defence. On the Brisbane defensive side, I guess there's only one player that really came to mind for me as someone that we might want to include. Nat Grider, obviously elite player, um, named as halfback on the All-Australian team for season six. For a defensive player, got an average of 58. Did either of you guys have her on your team last year or last season? I did not. She was a player that I was trying to get into my team, but eventually ran out of trades to do so. Very consistent player, very capable of scoring those mid to high scores. But if you're looking for, for a player to really push the ceiling of what you want in a fantasy score may not be the option you're looking for. Yeah, I was looking very strongly at her last season. Oh, probably about four or five rounds where it was between her or someone else to bring into the side. Um, but yeah, d- didn't end up bringing her in either. I think she's one where I, I would, I mean, my thoughts are that she's had a, a great season last year. I don't think there's a lot of value necessarily, and particularly since we know she's going to be starting in that defensive lineup. Mm. Um yeah, I did bring her in last season towards the end, but I brought her in purely because of the uh, the COVID situation with the team averages and knowing that we were going to get, I believe, uh, Brisbane's average towards the end of the game. Um, so I was like, great, there's a solid 58 that I can get on my defensive line. But 
other than that, I don't know if I would have brought her in necessarily and definitely wasn't going to be starting with her, but one to consider if that type of thing happens again, I guess. I really wouldn't expect us to have that average rule in play again for the health and safety protocols that were out. It was pretty common last season, mm. but in the last few weeks where, at least in the men's fantasy game this year, uh, if someone misses due to COVID, they have not been, uh, we've not been getting their averages. They're just, they're just out for the week. So uh, I'd probably expect, we're still waiting for that confirmation, but I'd, I'd expect that's what we're going to be dealing with this this season seven. Okay. Any other Brisbane defenders you think worth mentioning from a fantasy perspective? Not from a fantasy perspective. So Brisbane's got a very stingy defense. They've got the <laughs> third least points against uh, of any team last year, but it's because they work very well as a, as a defensive unit. They've got really good defenders such as Captain Bree Conan who are really good at shutting down those attacking forays from the other teams. But from a fantasy perspective, you're probably not looking at very high-scoring players in that Brisbane back line. It's a little bit like the Adelaide Crows, where the ball's just not down there enough. You know, It's, it's yeah. just being pushed forward too often. Well, looking at my ending team, my like final team from Season 6, I actually had Kathy Spark because she was listed as a defender, which was fantastic for me. And I, I believe I had her more than just in the last week. But... She didn't really play defence, or she's not really going to be playing defence coming into Season 7, right? Yeah, you'd expect her to be back as a midfielder. So she was one of the higher-owned defenders last year. 19% of the composition actually had her. And a big reason for that was because she spent a lot of time in the midfield and a lot of time tackling. So getting those plus four points, which pushed her up to an average of around that 60 mark, which meant she was a very good defender. But if she does lose that defensive status, probably not quite as relevant. Yeah, because there's a lot of other good midfielders that we can be picking and choosing from from the Brisbane midline. Who's your favourite Brisbane midfielder, Jono? I'm not sure if you've mentioned. Oh, Batesy. Yes, Batesy. Look, not my favourite player, but definitely top two. Uh, absolutely terrific. She's <laughs> an absolute superstar. Love watching her. Uh, obviously winning the best and fairest award, but from a fantasy perspective, I would have brought her in round four. And I think she went on to average 87, 88, something like that, and really just carried my side through because at the time she would have been priced at 60-ish. So a real, real improvement. And I think it's more just the the spread on the outside that I noticed she was really, really getting out and taking marks, which is something you love to see, you know, help fill out that stat line. So a, a big improver there. If I had a dollar for every time I had to listen to you and Liam go, Batesy, last season, <laughs> I'd be a rich lady. <laughs> and the other thing about Emily Bates is finished the season in uh, round 11 with 126 against the Gold Coast. So yeah, really, put, uh, really put on the fantasy scoring for that final round for you, Jono. Mm. The, only, the only thing that breaks my heart is that she probably won't come into my team this year just on the basis that, how often do you see a best and fairest winner come out and do better the next year? Mm. It's very rare. You reckon she's uh, peaked fantasy-wise? Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, maybe Kiara Bowers did it because I think she's increased her average every other year. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, I, I can't see Batesy being one that I want in my team. I mean, to be honest, if we go back to Kathy Spark, I'm a little interested because some of the tackle numbers that she was putting out were incredible. I think between, what, round seven to round nine i think she averaged something like 12 or 13 tackles a game and and when she combined that with some good disposals and getting around the ground a bit i think her high score there was 114 she had one game where she somehow had 10 tackles and only four disposals so 47 
which is not not great. But if she can put that together mm. and the Brisbane Lions have a, have a good stretch of games coming up where you'd expect their midfield is probably going to be on top and there might be a bit of easy ball. Yeah, where, where they're putting in there as well, a few more tackles. And I, I think I, I tend to agree with you there, Jono, which is if she can yeah, absolutely. maintain that consistent ball winning as opposed to just the tackles, she's definitely an interesting option because when she does hit those disposals, basically if she was getting more than... 10 or so disposals she was scoring pretty decently so if if she can get rid of those sort of 40 to 30 games where she wasn't getting those disposals all of a sudden she's pushing up to an average of probably around 60 or 70. Yeah so you reckon she might be a bit underpriced? Uh, Possibly but it completely depends on how she's used if she's using Mm. it um, if she's been used as that inside midfielder getting disposals along with those tackles absolutely but if her role is fairly similar to what she was doing last year You'd probably expect a similar average, which means you're probably not getting the value that you want. Yeah. So we either want her to be listed as a defender and play some mid or be listed as a mid and play entirely mid. That's right. Make your fantasy relevant. Um, Anyone else? So one of the players who had a real breakout year last year on the wing was uh, Irish woman Orla O'Dwyer, averaged around about 60, 62, I believe. Uh, But one of the reasons that she really was a fantasy relevant player was that she was able to hit those really high scores infrequently, it has to be said, but she did have um, a high score of 106 very early on in the year to start the year and also hit uh, 92 in round 11. Mm. Uh, continued improvement from her and com- improved consistency might mean she's uh, a unique and viable option there. Yeah. Consistency is definitely a big one uh, with Ola because as well as those kind of two scores over 80, she's got like what two scores under 30 <laughs> yeah right the into two, that. so 20s yeah. in her scoring don't really help one of them to be fair was in a very wet game with the mcg in that prelim final but the 22 yeah. that she did have against west coast of all teams of all teams probably is a bit of a red flag yeah i would be willing to go as far as to call a a trap i think this is the biggest <laughs> red flag of a player i've seen Especially with last year, the reason we were all looking at her so much at the start of the season was because the Lions had a few games that were delayed by COVID and we were getting that average. Mm. I think that 160 said she had it. That was in round one or two. Yeah, round one. And so we kind of carried, yeah, we carried that average through some of those missed games and we're going, oh, this is great. We've got a player averaging 106 through the first like four rounds just on average alone. Yeah. it's It's not a player that I would expect to keep up yeah, Brisbane were definitely a team that I brought in a higher percentage of players than any other throughout the season just to make the most of those some of those averages. So I know, Will, you reckon Ali Anderson's underrated? I certainly do. Will definitely has a hot take on every player that is underrated and a unique pick and a point of difference. Uh, so get ready, listeners, because you're going to be hearing a lot of this during the pod. But let's let's start here. Why is Ali Anderson a unique pick? I think Ali Anderson's a unique pick because she set the standard as the hard outside running midfielder. So where before we had players like Anne Hatchard, even Britt Benici, who really made their name as players running around on the wing, taking those marks. Ellie Anderson was the first player to do this. And she did it in 2019 when she averaged 86. So that's elite scoring. She has a career average of only 66 and only averaged 67 last year. But she's one of those players that flies under the radar a bit and always has the potential to score very highly from those kick marks on the wing. Whether that makes her fantasy relevant <laughs> yeah. is... Well, yeah, that's, that judge. sort of leads me to a question then. What, why was the drop-off in season six? 
what, what, what's, what's caused her to drop that average, you know, 10, 15 points? And, and what does she need to do to get back to 86? I think the emergence of some of Brisbane's other midfielders has been probably the key to that. Emily Bates last year in particular has meant that she's probably played less inside than outside, which takes away some of those abilities to get the, the clearances and the inside ball. Generally, I think it's just because Brisbane are a very consistent team who spread the load. Uh, they don't rely on one player to score very highly for the most part, uh, which means that uh, Ali Anderson scoring a 60 to 70 on the wing, while not great for fantasy, is very important for them as a team. Right. Well, this is good a to classic know. will take right here. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would like to preface this by saying <laughs> that, player. that I love right. that. I love that we've brought her up. She's she's going to be a superstar, but just like so pre- so not a player not that we would want in our fantasy team. <laughs> and you will start with that. I didn't say anything about <laughs> fantasy. This. So. Ah. Okay. Great. Well, uh, maybe let's keep it to fantasy relevant players. <laughs> Speaking of, then anyone else in the mid that we reckon in the midline that's uh, fantasy relevant? So I'm going to talk about a midfielder who is pro- possibly going to be listed as a forward this year. And if she is, she becomes very fantasy relevant. And that's yeah. Sophie Conway. So Sophie Conway is one of the players who really runs through that inside part of the Brisbane midfield, uh, works alongside Emily Bates as that sort of clearance midfielder, but also does a lot of work on the outside playing wing and half forward flank. And so she transitioned onto the half forward flank last season which meant she really improved her goal-kicking output last season. I think she kicked 10 goals, which was a career high. And if she can continue that sort of form, it makes her very relevant if she does get that forward status. Hmm. So would you bring her in in your starting squad if she got forward status? If she does have forward status, I would strongly consider her, (laughs) especially if you see her getting... You've thrown me off, Mel, with the laughing. (laughs) (laughs) If she does get forward status... Sophie Conway is a player I would strongly consider for my starting team. Her ability to run through that midfield means she will very likely average around about that 60 mark, which for a forward is absolute premium. What was she priced at last season? She was priced at, a, at about 60, which means that in terms of the value mm. in, of a player who might go up, it may not be there. But I would see her as a, as a sort of a set and forget type player who probably could push up into a higher averaging uh, a bracket. But if she doesn't, you're pretty happy with her just sitting there yeah. and making your points for the whole year. She's got a, a career average of 53. So playing through that midfield, you know you're going to get somewhere in the 50s, which for a forward, you'd take. Okay, nice. I do also like that some of her better games were against stronger opposition. So she did really well against North last year, um, Adelaide, and uh, I think both games against Melbourne, you know, was was doing pretty well. And and she gets on the scoreboard, which, as you said, were like it, it, a really easy way to sort of push those, you know, forty scores, which are average, into those, you know, high fifties, sixties. Absolutely. And after a slowish start last year, from round six to the end of the year, she did not score below fifty. And if you can get that from a forward, you're laughing because that is consistency that you can take to the bank. Did you guys have any of the Brisbane forwards in your team last season? Yeah, so I think I was looking at having Greta Bodie towards the end of the season. Look, I mean, I think when we look at the Brisbane Lions, they are the highest scoring team in the competition. And that's the the way that they work up there is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of high scorers. So they've got a great tall forward combination in Dakota Davidson and Jess Wardlaw. Uh, And then they've got so many small forwards, I suppose, running around Mm. underneath, which... They, they all they all contribute, which means it's a little bit 
harder to try and figure out who is going to be that player that we want on our fantasy yeah. teams kind of stand. They're a great side football-wise, but fantasy-wise because they share that load so much. Like Yeah, yeah, exactly. I Absolutely. think Greta Brody is one that I'm pretty interested in. Will, you were going to say? Yeah, I was actually about to say, I think there is a, a clear standout uh, and and has scored very consistently, and that is Greta Bodie, as you say, Jono. Um, she was in the All-Australian squad uh, last season as that small forward kicked 13 goals and was very, very consistent. Average of 60, which means you're looking at a player who will be in that upper echelon of forwards. And even if she's not necessarily a value pick, will be a player you can sit in your team and just have for the whole year. Hmm. That's interesting because I did bring her in towards the end, but that was once again for the kind of the Brisbane averages. I guess like I would be looking more so for um, people that are going to go up that are a bit riskier rather than these kind of set and forget players that you seem to love, Will. If she's a dead set for you, would you bring her in at the start? I would definitely consider it. I think she's she's one of those players that if you're, you're building your squad around players that you do think will go up, if you want someone to just be very happy with, I think she's a great player to start with. Probably will be on the more expensive side for a forward, but you get what you pay for in this instance. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting with the short 10-round season is how we go about trying to get some consistency out of our players or are we trying to get value out of everyone since there's not enough time to, to be doing upgrading everyone? Because I think Greta Bodie is someone who, when it comes to the pointy out of the season, she's going to be in the best five forwards in the game and we're going to want her on our side. So do we start with her? I think there might be, when we get down to the end of our team reviews, we might go through and go, who are the best five forwards and are any of them underpriced? And to be honest, uh, I think she's as likely to be as good value as anyone. And I'd probably be happy to start with it. I had, uh, you know, in my forward line last year, too many players of value and I was spending so many trades getting them out constantly. I don't think I had a single player on my side who, in the forward line, who stayed there all season. And I would, I would really love to have that coming into this next, next season. Yeah, one, one that I'm very strongly considering. Well, you mentioned before that the Brisbane team stayed pretty steady uh, and that they haven't really had a lot of changes, but they did lose Jess Wishner. Um, well, interesting story behind this that you enlightened Jono and I on before. Would you like to share with the team? Yeah, um, very unfortunately for Jess, while working in her other job as a longshoreman, she actually was struck by lightning, which <laughs> is an unusual injury. And we hope Jess has recovered from that very well. But it did obviously lead to some some troubles for her, um, some mental health issues. So she spent much of the end of last year as mostly just a train-on player and has now sought a new opportunity at Essendon. Uh, but she had previously been Brisbane Lions all-time leading goal scorer. So a bit mm-hmm. of a, a void to fill there, but Brisbane have, as we've mentioned, a lot of those small forwards who have managed to step up, especially in the form of Greta Bodie and Sophie Conway. Yeah, I mean, you really just don't expect that to happen to someone. Obviously, very sad to hear and I hope she's going okay, but like, wow. Yeah, of all the reasons that you you have to leave a club, being struck by lightning, probably the, oh. the lowest down of the list of likely things to happen to you. Now, yeah. speaking of lightning, I want to throw up <laughs> one other player who is lightning fast, and that is Courtney Hodder. <laughs> That's the way to transition, Will. I love it. Why Are you interested in Courtney Hodder? What's Courtney going on here? Hodder. And I'm a little bit interested in Courtney Hodder because we spent a lot of this time talking about players who we think will probably score about their average. And so Courtney Hodder last year was listed as a midfielder, played the entire season as a forward pocket, so we'd expect her to be a forward this year. She finished the year with a five-game average of 60. She will currently be priced at around about an average of 44. Mm-hmm. Is she a player that could provide value in that forward line? I think so. I'm more of a kind of values starting squad 
based on my one year of fantasy experience, I'm less a set and forget and more a value picks and then trade them out later and make that a later, later male problem. I reckon she'd be more enticing to me to bring in. She's got a very high ceiling, like over 80, which is quite good. I think my biggest hesitation is I've been looking at the, the Lions fixture and they have a pretty challenging start. There's, so to start the season round one, they've got the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, and then in round four, they go on to play the Melbourne Demons. So that's two very challenging games. Uh, they've got the Giants and the, uh, the Suns in there. The Suns, I know last year that they went out and had, I think it was the biggest win of any AFLW team on record or close to. It was it was a big win. And I think the Suns are going to come out with a lot more energy this year. You can tell after the game they were hurting. So I would expect that to be a little bit closer. And I just wonder as a small forward, if, if you've got a, a tougher start to the season, is is it something that is going to limit her scoring? Mm. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that being being an issue. She probably will be scoring around about that 40 to 50 mark in those games, which is probably not enough value to be worth a starting spot. But it's the sort of thing where if she comes out and does score very well against those tough teams with an easier run to finish the season, she's a player that I'll be definitely keeping an eye on as an upgrade target. Yeah, nice. So the other Brisbane small forward that we were talking about a lot last season, Zimmy Farquharson. I believe we all brought her into our teams at one stage or another. Rookie last year started off in round two, started off with a couple of really great games, getting almost up to 60 there. Not too consistent after that. What do you guys think about her for this season? I think she's going to be a great player for the Lions. Zimmy Farquharson, she's a live wire player up forward, and that's exactly the reason why I don't want her in my fantasy team. Really, really exciting player for the Lions, but with a high score of 58 in her second game, was when a lot of people were, were very excited to bring her in. She followed that up with a nine. While I think she's going to be one of those very important players up forward for Brisbane who will bring the pressure, kick some goals, as a fantasy option, especially one who's no longer a bottom pricer, she's one that I would probably be not uh, keeping on my radar. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't really want a nine there. I, I think I might have been a sucker for that, bringing her in at, at peak and then just watching that score tumble straight down. I think a lot of people would have had that nine on field following that 58. So I don't think you would have been alone. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else on the forward line or should we go chat rucks? Let's chat rucks. Let's chat rucks. So I guess the only really relevant player here would be Talia Hickey. I hear you have some opinions on this, Jono. I do. I do. I think I think she is going to be one of the highest scoring rucks this season. She averaged 59 last uh, season six, but she didn't drop below 40, which is really good consistency. I suppose when, when we're looking at our rucks this year, we're probably considering whether we want to go very, very cheap option or if we want to pay up and do a bit of a set and forget option. I think if we're doing set and forget, Talia is one that I can very much see starting in my side. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Jono. Her along with Gabby Seymour and Brian Moody are probably going to be the premium price rucks that you're going to look for. I think the only other one would be Lauren Pierce from Melbourne. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things that really makes me think that Hickey is an option worth considering is she's only 21. So she's a really young ruck, heaps of scope for improvement. And if she can continue to just consistently do that output, of getting lots of hitouts and hopefully with the wet weather footy, more hitouts because more stoppages. I think she's a player who could really push up her average from that 58 up above 60. Yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like we've got a pretty clear division in the ruck options for elites and rookies, but it so sounds like we kind of get the best of both worlds with her because she's young, uh, like rookie age, but also an elite scorer. So definitely one to look out for. 
Yeah, and she's played two full seasons in the AFLW as well. So she's got that AFLW experience, but the youth is on her side to continue to improve. So definitely a viable option. And as Jono said, didn't drop below 40 last year, which for a ruck is an absolute bonus, mm. even though not a high possession getter, just the ability to to get tackles in the midfield was one of, one of her strengths. Uh, she had a, a season high of seven tackles in the qualifying final. Uh, but also to get those hit outs. She was one of the leading hit out players in the competition. So I see a lot of upside in Talia Hickey. Awesome. Well, that might do us for Brisbane. As we've seen, they're an awesome side, definitely potentials to take out the flag in season seven and a decent amount of fantasy potential players. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at freekickwpod. I am Hi Mel D on Insta. I am Will H underscore VI on Instagram. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Odds and Stephen. Next of our 18 clubs in 18 days, we'll be doing the Carlton Blues and we'll be releasing our best 21. So go check that one out. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>